Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th Second Podcast. My name is Keith Woodward. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed the last episode, you can go back in the archives. Jim Warden and Jim Kennedy, the first coach at Quinnipiac in what happened in 1975. It's a great listen. I hope you go back and enjoy it. Today, we're going to talk sports nutrition for athletes with Dana White, who works with the student athletes at Quinnipiac University. But first, we're going to hear from an All-American, Colin Graff, on the importance of nutrition from his perspective. Yeah, you know, I met with Dana. I think that um, she did a really good job of, like, working with me on my specific problems, and those were usually trying to keep my weight and maintain my weight during the year while we're practicing every day, working out, it felt like, almost every day, like, doing a lot of, like, stuff where I'm losing a lot of, whether it be sweat or just, like, calories in general, and I'm making sure that I need to gain that back because you really, you want to be the best at the end of the year, so doesn't really matter what you weigh at the beginning of the year as much as it does matter at the end of the year so I think that she was really good and I'm going to keep I'm keep doing it this year I'm just trying to add weight work on things I need to work on and like keep doing my nutrition because it's a really important part of the game. Did you know much about the nutrition before you came here? Uh, I'd say I knew a little bit but I didn't really know like what to do with my body if you know if that makes sense like i knew like yeah i like to eat like healthy stuff like that but i didn't really like it wasn't as like personally focused as it was this year i'd say now joining us is dana white from where are you from all over the place you're you work here you have your own uh, nutrition group. Uh, talk to us about that. What, what, where, how do we start that? I am a little bit all over the place. And not to be confused with UFC president Dana White, uh, which d- always comes up as an interesting uh, conversation. Absolutely. I can, t- I can tell our listeners that the uh, visual is a lot different than uh, yes. you are not. I uh, hair. You have yes. hair. I curse a little less than he does, <laughs> I think. Um, it is interesting, though, sometimes in my private practice, I will get a voicemail from a fighter that is thinking that they have contacted that to Dana White and That's I'm getting classic. all yeah, they're like begging for a chance to prove themselves is pretty interesting. That's yes. funny. So you're here at Quinnipiac and you have so talk 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 yes. to us. So what do you got? So Go. my background I'm an athletic trainer and a registered dietitian. So I'm actually an alumni of Quinnipiac from the athletic training program. Um, and being an athletic trainer for a while kind of brought me to nutrition, realizing how important it was for athletic performance. So I became I went back to school got a master's degree in nutrition, became a registered dietitian. Um, and now I really kind of get to do both, right? So I get to wear my sports nutrition hat. Um, I teach here in the athletic, so I'm a clinical faculty in the athletic training program and the School of Health Sciences, the Health Science Studies program here. And my position was created back in 2012. I came on as an adjunct getting my foot in the door, did some consulting for athletics, and then um, a very nice department chair who no longer works at Quinnipiac somehow kind of crafted this position where I would be able to teach in the sports medicine program and then be able to consult with athletics as part of my clinical position. So now I get to work um, with the sports medicine staff here, our amazing sports medicine staff, as the sports dietitian. Um, But I speak that language of athletic training, which I think works really well for our sort of collaborative efforts. And then I get to teach um, throughout the School of Health Sciences. 
So you get to work with the athletes at the university. Yep. And when I'm not here, I do some consulting and culinary and cookbooks. I really like food. Um, I know. I was at your website the other day uh, at, before we set this up, and it's like, you've got a lot going on. I like it, though. I, I really, I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't lie and say I really like my job. I yeah. really, truly do <laughs> like my job. People are like, don't you get sick of cooking? You know, and I really don't, you know. I And so I, I've been lucky enough to be able to do some media consulting and do some journalism and write for a few different outlets. And it's kind of a nice way to disseminate nutrition information without being, you know, keeping a private practice where I see a bunch of, of private clients because that's really my clinical role is really where I get to work with the athletes here. Yep. And then I get to flex a little bit with some other sort of recipe writing and cookbooks and stuff like that um, outside of Quinnipiac. That's so fantastic. So how did you get involved in the hockey program? So I was, like I said, brought on to work with athletics um, in a sports dietitian role. So the, the role of sports dietitians in collegiate athletics kind of continues to grow, though there's still a relatively small number of Division One programs that have a sports dietitian on staff. So, you know, a, a smaller school like here, we were able to kind of work in my position where I'm also a faculty member, but get to work with the athletes. So pretty much from, from day one, I've become a resource to all of our athletic teams and the hockey program. As an alumni, it's been really fascinating to watch this program develop over time. And I'm really as one of those other resources that we uh, allow to the team. So we have, you know, obviously our sports medicine staff. Now we have a sports psychologist on staff. And then there's me to work with the team in team-focused sort of a setting, but also in a one-on-one -on -one setting. So whether I'm consulting, you know, with strength and conditioning or the athletic trainer brings something to me and we bring in our team physician, I'll come in and do a team meeting, usually, you know, kickoff preseason sort of thing, sort of here's here's the kind of opening to sports nutrition for the hockey program in general, and then work with the athletes one-on-one -on -one, uh, depending on what the needs are. So let's, so day one, uh, you're talking to the men's hockey program. Mm -hmm. Do you address them all? Do you address the, like, how does this all start? So usually we try to have an onboarding and, okay. and it's a good thing for obviously the new players that are here. And then addition, you know, like the, you know, sports nutrition is one of those things where it's usually better the more times you hear it, you know? So we sort of always introduce, reintroduce fundamentals about timing. College athletes particularly are constantly having to change. So their, their practice time, their training is usually consistent in terms of timing, but their class schedule changes, you know, two times a year and then the summer and things like that. So, you know, a, a big piece of it is trying to help, especially for, for the, the newer athletes to help them accommodate how to remember to eat, when to eat, where to eat, how to eat, to help support their fueling when their schedule is constantly changing. So that's a conversation you can have with the whole team even just to point those things out and then we work you know maybe on a one-on-one -on -one basis to help to individualize fueling schedules for individual athletes but that that day one is hi here i am not that dana way i'm this dana way you know and then kind of going over some introductory things the the making that connection between sports nutrition and athletic performance and truly the hockey program i think the call the caliber of athletes that we have here you know, tend to, you know, come in with some nutrition knowledge. It's not always the case, and that's okay. I want them to know that that's okay. But, you know, maybe the ones that have gotten by not prioritizing their fueling, think just get them to start thinking about how much better they could be playing if they were fueling their performance a little bit better. And 
generally well received or do they you know i still want my greasy hamburger and fries and uh, i don't care about this dana white person uh, like how, like how does that like right because some of i mean uh, most of the kids are probably over 20 years old but so they're right. not you're not dealing too much with 18 year olds right per, and if they se. if they played usa hockey, hockey they played juniors you know they played on other teams where maybe they did have access to to a sports dietitian right so them maybe they're a little bit more of a captive audience right out of the gate sure. right but it really depends you know and i think i'd say generally well received for sure. Um, I also get to talk to them about supplement compliance, which is where everyone's ears open. Um, I'm not the bad guy in that. I, again, am a resource to them. Like, let me answer your questions about dietary supplements. Here's how the NCAA views it. Here's the policies that we have to follow. Um, So, you know, that's maybe more of a, you know, attentive conversation as opposed to, see, I don't mind the greasy cheeseburgers and the french fries okay. every once in a while. They kind of learn pretty quickly that, yeah. that my role is not the food police, you know. Yeah. But again, if we're trying to support your performance, if we're fueling your training, there's good choices and bad choices. So I am absolutely not the food police. I'm a big support. I'll tell them where to go get good pizza and ham it. Like, you know, like we, we have those conversations. So again, like you typically well receive maybe a little surprise that I'm not just going to talk about eating chicken breast and tofu, you mm-hmm. know, and then we have to have those kind of supplement conversations too, which again is really important information for them to know. So I have a captive audience when it comes to that stuff. So what is good fueling for, so for our listeners, like yep. we don't know what that means. So what, what does that mean in your mind? So it's really, I, I sound like a broken record to ask any athlete here, but the I, sports nutrition is really all about timing in my perspective. So, you know, what you eat is important. And a lot of them kind of know that, you know, they've gotten some sort of concept of, yes, they know the difference between, you know, they know fruits and vegetables and they know, but the timing is what really makes a a huge difference in how to fuel that performance, right? So I think this idea of, you know, what they're eating properly before training, I can't tell you how often, you know, someone will say, oh, I can't eat breakfast, right? I can't eat breakfast in the morning. Well, they're probably eating the wrong thing. Right, they're eating something that's perhaps maybe too slow digesting. And so then when they go into training, right, out on the ice, out in the weight room, like it sits in their stomach like a rock. And then of course that's gonna translate to, you know, I can't eat, right? That's not that's not a good feeling. That's not gonna help performance either. But if we can make those tweaks, if we can make sure that they're timing what they eat appropriately so that it is usable fuel by the time they go to train, then they start to realize that connection of, oh, I actually can eat and then go into that training session fueled um, and you get a better workout as a result of that. So what's an example of what you shouldn't eat as an athlete in the morning to have that feeling? Okay. Which I think I know the answer to, but I don't want to say it um, because I want you to say it. And how's that conversation with, you know, athlete A Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, you know, like you're eating whatever it is you're about to tell me, you really got to stop doing that. Like, how's that go? So, you know, again, for example, like, you know, Bacon, egg, and cheese, right? It's kind of like the quintessential breakfast for most college students, you know? And I think, but if you eat that 20 minutes before you go out on the ice, you know, you're probably going to regret it. But the other conversation is even if you're the type of athlete that can eat something like that and feel absolutely fine, they have that iron stomach, it's still not a good choice because it's too slow. It's too high in protein. It's too slow digesting that they can't turn it into usable fuel for that activity anyway, right? So maybe that conversation, and again, it does come down to timing, right? If they have a couple of hours before training starts, go ahead and have that, you know, that might be a better recovery option for post-workout where we want the protein and carbs in that sort of volume, right? But if it's an early morning training, let's just say you have an hour before you're going to go, you need something more like in the oatmeal category, you know, maybe sometimes we talk about, you know, 
rice cakes or toast or a bagel with not three inches of standing peanut butter, just a little bit of peanut butter, you know, so that it's not creating something that is so, so, so slow digesting that you're not going to have it for, for go time. So eating is non-negotiable in my opinion, just in terms of fueling that performance. But, you know, you have to think about how long it's going to take you to digest something to make sure that when it's go time, you don't, it's not slowing you down, actually. And on the back end, refueling, um, I'm assuming, just based on our start of this conversation, that the timing of that is important as well. For sure, for sure. And so what we do here for the hockey program is that we have things available to them for kind of recovery products, drinks, and things like that. Because, again, the timing could be important. What if they have to go to class right away? What if they have to go to the athletic training room for treatment? You know, even just, you know, what if you're that guy that just takes a really long time in the shower and it takes you out? You know, so, you know, there's tons of reasons why that post-workout fuel might be delayed, but we want to make sure we have items available there so that they can get that start that recovery process right away and then maybe follow that up with a meal a little bit later. And that's where we work with work very closely with Coach B. We work on what we're going to offer them in the locker room because again if some of them are, you know, supplement products, we have to make sure that they're they're properly appropriate and also good for recovery, right? There's plenty of products out there that are sold for recovery but might not be the best option. So that that's kind of how the locker room is stocked so that in those lounges and stuff they have those items available to them. And so half their games are on the road, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit different than just having it in their locker room. So how do, is that stuff they travel with? Is that stuff that they make sure when they're on the road, you know, they're playing whatever, two, they're playing Cornell and Clarkson or whatever the two teams are for the weekend. They're away. They're a long way from, uh, A, a long way from you, (laughs) but a a long way from, uh, not that they couldn't just pick up the phone and call, but I mean... How does that work on the road where options are perhaps not as um, convenient for them in the locker room? Sure. And that's that's where packing up. I mean, again, this idea of thinking it's part of the equipment, right? It's part of the, the things that need to travel with the team, right? Or those availability, those snacks, long bus rides and things like that. You can't let that. Sure, there's going to be more stops. There's going to be, you know, we, we have kind of lists of restaurant recommendations that we make for what's convenient and, and things like that. We try, you know, most of my teams, I try to say, like, let's. Let's do pizza if we absolutely have to. And again, I no one loves pizza more than this girl. But you know, again, it's not necessarily the best recovery food, right? So you know, it, you know, and what I'll do sometimes, even you know, make menu suggestions. I mean, that's where a lot of it, a lot more falls of it on the coaching staff, truthfully, where you know they have to make sure that those things are available to them when the teams are on the road. But again, yes, we can't not fuel just because we're traveling. And that's where you will get the occasional text message, you know, from one of the players being like, what, you know, especially if they have food allergies or if there's something going on digestively, you know, we'll try to help them make choices based on what's available to them on the road. And how do you work around food allergies, right? So, I mean, something as simple as, you know, they're allergic to dairy or something along those lines or something more serious. Um, like I know on the women's basketball program, you know, uh, there's a, there was a student this last year with celiac disease. Um, and so there's, there's ebbs and flows, right? There's sure. like some people who can eat whatever they want. And then there's some people who are very, very specific on what they can't eat. And, you know, 90% of the world is not available to them because they've got, you know, because, because uh, of, medical reasons. So how do you balance that while still making the student athlete feel comfortable in their environment that they have to that they 
are just medically have to be in. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the worst thing that you want is for them to eat something that doesn't agree with them or that can cause some sort of negative reaction. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. very broad, but that's what can happen. That's certainly not going to help their performance. Right. So, yeah, we make sure this is where the sports medicine staff comes in working with our team physician if necessary, right? So maybe we're sort of diagnosing an allergy or sort of it's just coming to the surface while they're already here. Maybe they come in already knowing that they have, whether it's like an intolerance Mm -hmm. or what we, you know, a full-blown food allergy. And those are actually different, right? So with a food intolerance, we actually might have a little bit, so lactose intolerance, right? That's, everybody knows what that is. That's not a dairy allergy. There there's certain foods, there's some wiggle room there, right? And, And that's where, you know, we might have some athletes that, think they have to avoid dairy all completely because they're lactose intolerant where there's actually some lactose free cheeses and there's things you know so that's where I try to help saying hey maybe there's actually some foods oh that's why I don't get a stomach ache when I eat this you know so we try to focus on trying to make their diet as expansive as possible and then of course if they have allergies or something like celiac disease I mean that is a deal breaker gluten is not an option so thankfully when it comes to something like gluten free uh, you know there's more availability than there used to be but that's where it might take a little bit more help where I'll help the coaching staff with menu selections, especially if they're on the road trying to find things. Sometimes, you know, then the athlete might have to bring some things along, you know, Um, but the same thing for any sort of medical condition, right? You know, we've had athletes that are type one diabetics and things like that. And it, it, it certainly could hinder their performance, but it doesn't have to. And that's where I think the collaborative efforts between our sports medicine team and myself can really come together and make sure that we're optimizing all the options for our athletes. Talk to us a little bit about how collaboratively you all work together for the student athlete. The reason why we wanted to talk to, or I wanted to talk to you, all the support staff, is because they're just as critical as Jacob Quillen being in the right spot at the right time to score a goal because if he's not fueled properly or he's not stretched properly or he's not he's not in that position to win the game to get the pass from Sam. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I still think, you know, our guys are pretty amazing, you know, without the support staff. But that's what we aspire to, to do is to help support them in, in every in every way possible. So, you know, Devin and I actually share an office here on main campus. So we spend a ton of, a ton of time together. But it, it can be, you know, whether it's and the same thing with Coach B. I mean, it could be even just a referral process. You know, B sees them every day. Devin and I don't get to do that, right? So sometimes there's something that one of us recognizes and and says, hey, why don't you make an appointment with Dana? Why don't you reach out to Devin, right? And so I think just that collaborative effort in saying, okay, I'm identifying something here that's not my area of expertise, but I recognize that this other person might be able to help, right? So we do a lot of referring amongst each other. Um, You know, Devin and I, you know, a lot of times too, if there's some food related, you know, again, we do very different things, but I think sometimes them just having the support from both of us is is helpful to the athlete. Uh, B and I work a lot on trying to identify that we're make sure that we're offering the best sort of sports nutrition products, again, in the locker room and, and things like that. So it's kind of all over the place, really. But I think when we can all then come back together and say, okay, what are you seeing? Here's what I'm seeing. And then how can we help optimize these athletes performance I mean and from my perspective too when I think about it like I, I want to think about their eating forever it might sound a little you know I, you know the oh, Pollyanna but right, okay well, we're okay, there but you're, again, but you're like, a nutritionist I mean, right and, and also too I mean I think something that all of us encounter is the idea of how much bad advice they get out there whether it's about you know you know about strength and conditioning mental health or nutrition because Okay, I'll just say it. TikTok drives me. You know what I mean? Like very, very seldomly is there good advice out there when it comes to sports nutrition. So we spend a lot of time kind of debunking myths when it comes to to some of these things and, and whether it's something that's just 
complete BS in terms of helping them. Or again, a lot of you know nutrition information might be geared. It might not be bad nutrition advice, but it doesn't apply to athletes at this level. And you know, like I always talk you sodium is an example. You know, like yes, the majority of Americans probably need to cut back on sodium. Um, you know, that's not what our guys need to do. The, the amount of sweat output and, and electrolyte loss that they have, they need those higher sodium foods, right? So we need to make sure that we're sort of helping debunk a lot of myths that they're encountering as well that might actually stand in the way of their performance as opposed to what's the one food overall that the guys really want but you're kind of like oh i don't know if i but here's the thing i don't think i i never say no you you know so again moderation probably right is the well it's the timing appropriate right so again your cheeseburger and french fry example right That's not the best recovery food. Okay, fried foods are pro-inflammatory. In a recovery phase, we want to focus on things that are going to kind of combat inflammation. So I will always say that. I'm not saying never have it, but I am saying that for a recovery meal, it's not your best option, right? Here's what could be Here's what could be better instead. I'm going to try again. Okay. So what is it, what food particular that the guys eat? Mm-hmm. I, I know you're not limiting. I, get, I understand all that. But that you go... I really wish you wouldn't do that, but I can't really tell you no, but it's not the best for you. I want to say like chicken parm. How about that? Okay. That's an example, right? So that's very popular sort of on the road okay. recovery yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. It's fried. It's pretty heavy in the cheese department. So again, for recovery, not optimal. There is some protein and carbs. You know what I mean? Again, nutrition's not black and white. You're looking for black and white. I don't know that I can I can give that to you, but fried foods in general, I mean, don't get, they taste amazing, but for like post-workout or pre-workout, too slow digesting, you got to save that for when it's very well spaced out from your training. So the headline, Justin, will be no Dana chicken White, parm. Here we go. Anti- right. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm teasing. I would, yeah. I would never do that. The so. anti-chicken parm. <laughs> you know, but those are, that's what happens. Don't think oh, it's going to come up. Someone's going to call me out on this. It's fine. I can, I can we take will, it. Uh, we will treat you kindly. Thank you. Um, and what's your favorite part of dealing with the student-athletes? So I, I think... I, you know, athletes, especially at this level, you know, I think their motivation, you know, we have such a, a, you know, and I'm not just saying this really high caliber of athlete that that comes here and they're motivated. They want to be better. They want to, they want to get better. Um, You know, there's always like, I always know like when the season's over, I mean, thankfully this season went the longest, but you know, when the season's over, you know, the text messages start to come in from some of the guys who, uh, you know, want to set up a meeting because they want to get ready for summer training. They're already getting ready for next season. Um, And I, I love that. Like I always know I'm like, Oh, the next, day or so that's gonna you know that's when the texts are gonna start to, to pop up um, and I love it you know and then that gives us a chance to and again it just shows you know their dedication to their performance um, you know and again their their ability to use their resources right so we're always trying to encourage them to, to use these resources so it's that's always kind of my favorite time of year even though the season then is actually over is that they're already getting ready they're getting ready for next season right and then we get into summer training and, and preseason and things like that but it always I'm always so impressed by um, you know how much they want to continually get better again even in a championship season you know they their their focus is you know the returners are, are saying like you know what can I do for the summer like here's here's some of my goals I'm already looking at for next season do you have a favorite athlete of all time that you've come from the men's hockey program it's okay to <laughs> oh admit God, it. am I allowed to say that? sure I mean um, because I think because ultimately right it's about a relationship right for and sure so this athlete maybe I don't know what the story you're going to tell is, but maybe they weren't really into nutrition, but they've evolved and they are thankful and appreciative or or you really saw success out of a certain... I think, yeah, I, I think it's okay to... The first player that comes to mind is uh, Matt Pekka. 
He's the first one that comes to mind. He he was always, I mean, for I mean, and again, not, you know, all of these athletes are always polite and gracious and and appreciative, but he was just on another level, you know, and and we did work on on quite a few things with him. I'm not it's a HIPAA violation, so of course I'll I'll keep that quiet, but again, you know, it, you know, in addition to the regular things like we we worked on on quite a few things while he was here um around his nutrition and his fueling and so, you know, I I I that he's definitely the first player that comes to mind and I'm always um, you know, excited to follow him and and kind of watch where he's where he's gone since he was here. That's awesome. I think that's part of the thing working in higher education, right? Is sometimes you develop relationships even in my role, sometimes there's a student that you just kind of engage with more often, and you just you want you root for their success. You root for them to do well. You want to help. Of course, I mean, that's why we're all in all all in higher education. And as someone who's been part of the community for such a long period of time and involved in the program, right? The sense of pride that you feel as a an alum, be an employee, see your husband is from here. Your kids are, as you said, probably doomed to come here hey, as well. well sorry, not sorry. Um, in, in a very positive way, doomed. Right. Um, you know, just, I mean, as I sit here and even ask that question, right? Like I have chills on my arm because it's, it's a place that everybody wants everybody to succeed and has been, you know, you got a little taste of it with the women's basketball when they went to the Sweet 16 and just, you know, experiencing that which you thought would never happen and to know that Quinnipiac didn't have a program until 1975 and was in high school rinks in the Northford Ice Pavilion as you referenced it's you know it's essentially a community ice rink the escalation of how you feel and the emotions on how you feel in that moment are just off the scale yeah and you just gave me chills saying that it, it's so true it, and I even add as a athletic training student as well so um you know having that sort of even as a student here at the time just you know i I had friends you know we all got you know we worked with different teams and and things like that i mean the pro even that program was wildly different at at the way that that what it is now so it really is unbelievable right and i again you know it, it seems when i think of myself you know was such a long time. It really, it, it really wasn't that long. But to, I mean, you you mentioned Trish as well. You know, watching those two coaches earn, the, you know, that success that they so deserve, um, it means a lot. You know, and like you said, so yes, my husband and I met here. My parents met at Quinnipiac, so you know, it runs deep. <laughs> it runs real deep. You know, and um, and so being able to to literally say like, you know, you were there from from the beginning. You know, and and nothing against the the teams that we had those early sure. years, but it was a much different program. But right? those people paved the road, right? For sure, a hundred percent. For sure, and, and again, the, the grind that they had to go through, given again the the ice time and and the and the commute and things like that, and just you know, but but literally being there since you know Rand was coming to get ice cream and being able to to, to watch that true, it really is like the pride does not describe it um, but it is interesting you know it's always that interesting when and there's several alumni that do work here now you know it's it's weird and then it gets not weird anymore because you've been here for so long but you don't again that pride just continues to really grow because you th- those are the things that remind you oh damn how like how long you've been involved in in this community um, so yeah no it's been it's been really really special to to see what they've been able to accomplish and really say like you've been kind of watching this from from very very early on um so again much deserved on part of of the coaching but to really watch it happen has been really special thanks for joining us dana thank you for having me
In our next episode, we're going to talk with Derek Shadig. Derek went to Harvard University and was a goalie on the men's ice hockey team. And he wrote an article called Down But Not Out. The article dealt with his own issues with depression. It's a real-life example of what student-athletes might go through. It's part one of a two-part series on mental health. Derek will be the first part, and then we'll talk to Devin Markle at Quinnipiac. Thanks to Dana White for coming on, as well as an assist from Colin Graff. Our production crew is Justin Morowski, who was our producer and audio engineer. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th second, and also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode. 